Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, what moved markets this week, the week ending August 27th, 2021, the third week in August, actually the last week in August, but markets were not really that quiet. There has been a lot of big, a bit of an uptrend here coming into the Jackson Hole Symposium, virtual Jackson Hole Symposium that kicked off this morning with comments by Fed Chair Jerome Powell that we will talk about that uh, for now have been greeted but with bullishness by the market. So I'm curious what my co-panelists here are going to say about all this and about everything else. And I will introduce them now in no particular order. Brad Olison, the VP of News, Kim Khan, Senior News Editor, Stephen Alfer, Managing Editor of Breaking News. I am your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors. So let's kick it off with Kim as we normally do to give us the big picture view of what moved markets this week. Well, we've got markets looking like they're going to close out a, a winning week um, after Powell's performance today at Jackson Hole, which the market reaction was, you'd say, it was they took it to be dovish. Um, you know, the grind going into the the Jackson Hole market, the stocks were moving slightly higher into it. They did have a, a chance to sell off though um, when there are some worries about the explosions in Kabul and that, you know, kind of gave the market an excuse to shake off some of the froth from its all-time highs and get ready for Powell's speech. At the same time, you had, um, you know, treasury yields climbing up pretty strongly during the week, right up until uh, Jackson Hole started um, on Thursday with the, you know, the first Fed speakers coming out and things held up. So you had, the, you know, the 10-year going up to around 1.35%. Um, you know, kind of close to its highs for all of August. Um, it's dropped off now post Powell, but um, you know it's still holding on to to gains for the week. So again, you've seen a lot of um, kind of uh, recovery and inflation uh, sensitive sectors doing well. Interesting, yeah. And the sectors, um, curious there, Brad. What you saw from the winners and losers? We did have some earnings this week and some a little bit of drama around individual stocks. Thinking about Peloton. So who were the winners and losers this week, Brad? So it's a little bit of a mean reversion. We talked about how weak crude was um, over the past few sessions. It kind of reversed a streak of seven straight losses earlier this week, and that consequentially helped a lot of these highly volatile ENPs and oil servicing names, Devon Energy, Occidental Petroleum, Apache, Baker Hughes, Halliburton. I feel like I talk about those every single week. They're either in the loser column or in the winner column. Um, what I loved about this week was that, at least in the top 10, it was a nice even split among the winners. You had the five names in the energy column and you had five names uh, in, in gaming. So Penn National, Caesars, Wynn, uh, MGM, and Las Vegas Sands were the other five winners among the top 10. Uh, just, I guess, uh, emblematic of, of a little bit of the reflation trade is back on. Um, you know, Delta variant is still a concern. There are some pockets that are growing, but I think the market is looking a little bit ahead here um, to the fact that maybe we're moving more towards herd immunity. I'm not so sure. That being said, the, there were some positive indications from the retail space with, as you said, now with some of the earnings. Um, Best Buy was pointing to really strong consumer demand in their earnings. Kohl's, 
talked about a turnaround in the consumer and, and they raised their outlook. Um, and then on the other side, the, the weakness you saw were all these defensive and staples names, the, the, the names people used to plow into um, when strains of, of COVID decided to, to rear up again. So General Mills, Dollar Tree, uh, JM Smucker, ticker is SJM, were all calling out not all of them because they all didn't report, but names like Dollar Tree, for example, and, and, and others did call out inflationary pressures like we were talking about at the top of the show. seems like, yes, there is some sort of degree of, of pass-through of inflation, but it's clear that at least among some of these names, these are low-margin names typically, uh, they are seeing some, some inflation stick around, uh, which could impact some of their margins. And just one interesting loser to throw out there for the week was not on my list, but just a, a fun fact, according to Sentiment Trader, Amazon now over the past three weeks is now brought, uh, lagging the broader market by its largest degree ever as a public company. So it seemed to me that, you know, you couldn't type the, you know, the, the share price movement fast enough. It was hitting 1,000, then it was hitting 2,000, then it was hitting 3,000. Um, but it seems like the last couple of weeks, things have just kind of stalled out for a bit. Mm. So thought that was kind of interesting. And I don't know if that coincides with Bezos stepping down or him going into orbit, but uh, yeah. one way one way or the other, it is an interesting, interesting story. Yeah, very interesting trend there. Uh, Stephen, what were you watching? I know there's been a lot of debate about the Fed and the Powell comments. Uh, what's your take there? Yeah, I mean, there was nothing, no major policy announcement there, which, you know, really hasn't happened since, for, since Ben Bernanke many, many years ago. But I think it was important. I think I think Powell's speech did lean dovish. I think it was a, a pushback against some public comments by others, Bullard, Bostic, Harker, leading up to his speech. Those guys seemed to want, kind of want to move aggressively towards the taper. Powell gave, to me, indicated that he has no intention of aggressively moving towards the taper, and markets are reacting positively. Bond yields are down, gold's up, dollars down. You know, he's clearly learned the lesson of, uh, as we talked about last week, of Jean-Claude Truchet, who tightened policy in re- response to some ugly headline, headline inflation numbers and, and helped contribute to that, uh, to the EU's, you know, debt crisis and economic crash. Uh, and he's clear, Powell's clearly learned from 2018 when he hiked, hiked rates and, and caused a bit of a market panic. So I don't think he's going to move aggressively at all to taper. Uh, and uh, it was, was little, was it, didn't get enough mention last night because there was a lot of other news going on, but the uh, White House leaked that they're they're leaning towards reappointing him as chairman of the Fed and uh, Lael Brannard as vice chairman or chairperson. So, I mean, there's no coincidences in public policy, you know? So I think it was, it was a signal that he he's on board with kind of, he's not going to tighten with a lot of the other stuff going on right now. And Brainerd also rightly or wrongly has a reputation as a dove. So you've got two kind of fairly dovish voices there uh, going forward atop the fed. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. Some of his comments around the infl- tightening and how if it could be opposed a greater danger to tighten prematurely or too aggressively than it would to just let things run their natural course. And perhaps that is based on his own experience from 2018. But that seemed to be something that was that was new in his comments. And I guess it's important to distinguish here between tapering and hiking. Tapering sounds like it's still going to go ahead late this year, early next, maybe. But higher interest rates, and he said this too, that to raise rates, they would need more, it would be, it would be more scrutiny than for tapering. So it was all very interesting. And in the end, I think quite dovish. 
Yeah. And it, you know, yes, there is a difference between tapering and hiking rates, but, but not as much as you think it's, Mm. it's tighter policy than otherwise. Right. So are we going to go on a a path of tighter policy or are we going to continue with the existing policy is the bottom line. And and he doesn't show any, any sign of wanting to go to a tighter policy. It's a new trajectory, right? It's all about the trajectory shift. It's not like they're going to be tightening and then loosening and then tightening and then loosening, you know, in, in short order, it's all about, this longer trajectory moves. So. Sure, yeah. But this has been t- dialed in for some time, the fact that they're, they're going to be tapering, right? So, yeah, and, and what follows that, obviously, is tightening. But anyway, let's move on to the next segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories that we've seen uh, edited, contributed to on Seeking Alpha, or perhaps seen elsewhere on the Twitterverse. Is that a word? I think so. Or elsewhere. Um, let's start with Kim. I want to look at the mega cap stocks and um, a couple of different thing, things that I saw about them uh, this past week. Um, I'm mentioning tapering and you know, B of A was out with a chart today showing just how much um, these stocks have, have benefited from the, you know, the, uh, the QE that's happened since the financial crisis. They're looking at all the way, you know, since, you know the $22 trillion of global QE, so the Fed plus ECB and others that has gone in and had just has outsized effects on the stocks that are, we're talking about Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Google, they, got, they put in Netflix in there, uh, Microsoft, and Tesla. And you know, what happens to those stocks that are driving the market if the, when the tapering starts and the taps of QE turn off again? It's going to be interesting. But on the other uh, side of the coin, uh, there was uh, some a note out from DataTrack pointing that, you know, only compared to the first half of this year, the second half of the year is gonna, earnings are gonna be driven by a small number of sectors, just healthcare, infotech, and communication services. And communication services is mainly gonna be driven by Facebook and Google. So you, you know, you've got these companies that are very, you know, do very well in a QE environment, but are also kind of the main earnings drivers for the market and are making tons of money. So we'll see kind of, you know, if, you know, with the tapering starts, does you know do the money flow out of these names, or does it stay in there because they're posting the big beats? Hmm. All right, uh, Brad. What about you? So I thought there was just a, a general theme we noticed this week, which was the corporate sector and market uh, weighing in on the health issues. So as much as you know, people may debate the 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 health policy coming down from the top. Companies aren't waiting. Um, Delta, the story that I that jumped out to me was Delta's insurance premium levy on its own employees amounting to about $200 a month. So this is basically a market-based solution for changes to vaccination policy. So if you are not vaccinated as a Delta employee, you will now have to pay an extra $200 a month. Um, I guess you could, you could say this is very similar to the extra pre- premiums that smokers pay, for example. And so and it kind of falls into the ideology where like no company has to give you you a job. No company has to serve you anything. No shirt, no shoes, no service. You know, we've all heard that refrain. Um, and this is all born out of the bottom line, right? So Delta is large enough where it does self-insure. That means they don't use a health care company to, to, to administer the, the cost. All of the cost of hospitalizations is borne by the company. They estimate that at about $50,000. And this policy came out of the fact that all of the hospitalizations that they've seen from COVID were 100% due to unvaccinated employees. And at a cost of $50,000 a person, that's, that adds up to uh, quite a, a 
pretty penny. Um, and I think that just kind of, you know, we saw a couple other indications also in the market where some hedge funds, at least as far as the financial industry is concerned, um, are also leaning more towards requiring vaccinations, um, you know, as the condition to returning back to the office. 0.72, which is, you know, the, the fund run by Stevie Cohen and uh, Millennium Management, just to name a few, are, are some of the ones that are mandating vaccinations, just a long line of, of, of companies. And I think the military even also, too, is requiring vaccinations, just saying you don't have a right to, uh, you know, to, to visit our office if you're not vaccinated. Um, you know, we all talk about the freedoms here, but you also have their rights. You know, do you have, do you deserve a job? You know, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily entitled to. The company can do what, what they'd like to do. So a lot of market-based solutions here to a health crisis, which I thought was rather interesting. Yeah, I've been in New York City this week and uh, for the first time ever was asked for my vaccination card and additionally for ID to prove that it was me on the vaccination card. Um, although those vaccination cards, I have to tell you, they aren't particularly difficult to forge, one would think. Actually, I wasn't even asked for the physical card, but a photo was sufficient. Anyway, Stephen, what about you? All right, this podcast is getting interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I love the earnings call transcript service on Seeking Alpha, and uh, Burlington Stores is not a company I've really paid attention to, but I was reading the transcript from their earnings call yesterday. Their CEO is Michael Sullivan who apparently is a very straight shooter. Uh, so I, I found it a really cool read. Uh, he was talking about the supply chain issues. And, and this isn't new news, right? That's been on the front pages for a while, but it's interesting to kind of delve down in it, into an individual company and see how it's affecting them. And uh, he said they can get product, but it's at a much higher cost. So operating margins are going to get uh, squeezed very badly. He said the situation is getting, getting far worse each day that goes along. Um, of course, Burlington stock got, got absolutely smoked yesterday, um, partly on that, on that news. Um, the CFO notes that to put a number on it, it used to cost pre-pandemic about $1,500 to get a shipping container shipped from China to the West Coast of the U.S. Now it's 15000 and it's rising every single day. Um, and he said there's, there's blocks at every part of the supply chain, not just shipping from China, but trains, planes. Uh, everything. There's just not enough of them. And then they also said that they full, they expect the supply chain pressure to break, but not until 2022. And at the same time, they're seeing a slowdown in consumer spending coming alongside that. So you're going to have all these retailers flooded with inventory at the same time, consumer spending is slowing down, which is not a great combination, unless maybe you're an off price retailer uh, you could have your pick of uh, plenty of product to stock your shelves with. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, the transcription service is great. And it's always very interesting to see what companies have to say about the broader economy and how those uh, topics are affecting their bottom line. All right, so that completes this week's show. Thank you for watching and listening. If you've been listening, be sure to check out the video, which airs earlier than the audio, namely by 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon at the website seekingalpha.com slash videos slash alpha dash talks. And with that, we thank you for being with us and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to seekingalpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. 
Have a great day.